0: Show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes, even an interview with the most popular folks.
1: Off the cuff, off the cuff,
2: one episode just saying enough. And a
0: little laughter and in an interview too best
2: thing you can do Hello everyone and welcome to Police Off Your Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, and with me tonight, as almost every night, is my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty
3: good, Billy. Merry Christmas to you. I got my eggnog here, and I got the Wonder Wheel in the background.
2: I'll tell you what, this is a uh, a pretty ambitious show. One of our, um, our subscribers said to me, you know, you should have a Christmas show. You have all these cops. Cops have great stories. Why don't you have like four or five cops come on and tell a Christmas story. And I said, you know something? That's a great idea. Great idea. And her, actually, her name is Carol Grayston and she's from Scotland, Scotland of all places. She came up with this idea. Isn't that a Thank fantastic you, Carol. Idea?
3: Great
2: idea? Carol. Wonderful. And I think, uh, you know, I got, we're going to try to come up with one guy at a time is going to tell his Christmas story. And we have with us tonight. The, the, one of the most highly decorated detectives in NYPD history. And his name is Mikey Heinrichs. And he's a, he's a Brooklyn guy. I'm going to actually show you a picture of his rack. There's, there's Mikey's rack. And uh, we, that's all, that's a little sticker that we sell, polish my rack. And Mikey charges $25 a person to come over his house to polish his rack. I don't know if he's doing it during the season, but anyway, we got Mikey Heinrich on. I'm going to, Mikey's going to come on first. And tell his uh his great Christmas story.
1: Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, guys, how are you? Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas to you. I see a tree in the background. That's yeah, fantastic. So, Mike, uh, I Christmas, hope this isn't this isn't going to be like a this isn't going to be like a bloody Christmas story. I hope it's like a, there's a little bit of Christmas uh, cheer in it and goodwill and all of that um, stuff.
1: Not really, but um, it's not it's not a bloody one either. You know, when you first asked me to come on a show, I started to think about you know Christmas and you know, working and all that. And I was reflecting on, uh, you know, things that popped up here and there. And I, I do have a few stories. I know, you know, it was, you know, short with time and that, but I'll make it quick. Um, no, no, so, just, just
2: tell, it, tell it like it is. No, if, it, if it's no, too long, I'll just take you off the you goddamn screen. Off, but no, tell I'll it.
1: I'll keep going all night. But, yeah. out, you know, c- coming out of the academy, I, I you know, um, I was sent to NSU 14 and uh, it was, you know, it's in the 79th priest in Brooklyn. And we had graduated December nineteen eighty four, and about two or three later, as it was Christmas Eve, and uh, I went to the uh, to the precinct, and uh, I was sent to Woodhall Hospital to guard a prisoner. And uh, you know, okay, that's what I got to do. I go at least I'll be warm, and I go to the hospital, and I meet the uh, guest of honor, um, and I cuff him up, and um, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, you know, droves of these guys start coming into the, to the uh, hospital. And I, you know, I didn't know much at the time, but matter of fact, I knew nothing, but I knew these guys were on out ringing the bell for the Salvation Army during the day. You know, these guys were all, you know, uh, gunfighters from the Marcy houses coming to visit their guy. And, you know, it got to the point where there was just a couple of dozen guys in there and I'm just sitting there minding my own business, nothing goes wrong. And the staff started complaining and, The next thing I know, um, uh, uh, you know, I I, I don't know what to do. So I call the desk and say, hey, listen, there's a bunch of guys here. There's only two people on the list. They're not supposed to be here. And, you know, the boss on the desk is like, hey, you know, kid, you know, take it easy. It's Christmas. Have a heart, you know. You know, so I I sat there all night. The guys left. I was there with the prisoner. Christmas Day, Christmas night. I was there for almost two days. And I finally got relieved. And I'm saying to myself, man, it's got to get better than this, you know. Um, which it did. I mean, Christmas, you know, one thing we all had in common when we were Christmas was that, uh, you know, everybody wanted to be somewhere else. And, you know, I do remember thinking back, um, you know, to the days like first in the precinct, you know, some nice things, people coming in with baked goods and people on the street, you know, uh, saying hello, God bless you, get home for Christmas. I hope you get home to your family. Nice things like that, you know, and things like um you know we you know if you we were working in uniform you pop into a mess and you know the eyes fall upon you and people would nod and recognize you and you know it felt good um you know but later on in the squad you know uh, you know really when you're a cop on patrol your day can only get ruined to, you know so much but when you get to the squad if something happens uh it's really <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is real police work on christmas as, as you guys well know for sure you know, um,
3: you don't you know, want to be chasing perps on Christmas Day. No,
1: you know. But in the squad, you know, if it was quiet, God willing, you know, we made the best of it. I remember guys, you know, taking up collections. I had this, you know, victim, uh, you know, a few months ago. They could really use some help. We drop off an envelope to him, or you know, one guy went one year to the local post office, grabbed a bunch of letters from Santa. We picked out a kid and dropped the present off to him and stuff. So that mm-hmm. stuff was all good stuff, you know. But yeah. I also remember the tension when the phone rang you know, and guys were wondering, you know, is this going to blow us up for the, for the rest of the night, you know? But um, I, you know, I work my share of is pretty much uneventful. But um, when I got to homicide, my first Christmas, I come in for a date too. I'm working myself. It's nice and quiet till about 930. And we have a police-involved uh, shooting where, you know, uniform officers shot and killed a, a, a perp. Uh, so that's sort of uh, that Christmas, you know, you know how that stuff goes. So that was a, a Christmas gone, but. Um,
3: hey, you know. Mike, did you uh, have the occasion when you were first on the job to like, get like what I did, I was single and I would give guys off Christmas day that had children and I would look to be off Christmas Eve or maybe even new year's Eve. Did you work when you, wherever you work, did you work that kind of stuff out? Is that. Uh- yeah. Well,
1: not so much on patrol, but when you got into the squad, yeah. Um, you know, guys with, with little kids, will, you know, get, you know, you would work it out. You didn't pull like tax number. I got more time. I'm taking Christmas at Christmas Eve. You, you whacked it up. Right. So it was bad, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um. The thing is, you know, you had to whack it up and you also had to try to think or try to, you know, you need, you need a crystal ball to figure out which days better. When am I going to get stuck or when I'm not going to get stuck, you know? Yeah. And that was the anxiety of the whole thing. Um, you know,
2: Mike, you mentioned before being in homicide, and I know that feeling is that something could happen on Christmas Eve and you could wind up having to be at work for two or three days straight without going home. Yeah, you always, you always sort of prayed that nothing would happen know. on Christmas Eve, you know? Especially right. if you had kids, because you wouldn't see your kids for days. Yeah,
1: once the kids came, it was a lot harder to go to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, you know? It's it's just uh, it's that way you want to be, but like I said, we made the best of it when we could, and I'm sure some. I know some bad things happened on Christmas and Christmas Eve, but thankfully, I really couldn't put a finger on any one particular that I remembered. But I do have a, a little bit of a Christmas story that happened on Christmas that I think I could pass along. Um, it was in 2001. Um, I had I got promoted to second grade in uh, June of 2001. I think we probably talked about it on uh, one one of the, one of the shows, uh, previous shows, and that commissioner kerrick had singled me out and at the end of the promotion he went on and said all types of great things about me um, when i got promoted but when he had this little speech about me he mentioned that you know what if i could have made him first i would have made him first and uh later on when he invited me and my family up to the office his office he said you know what the next promotion you're gonna get first and i said okay great thank you very much commissioner and you know, it was in the back of my mind, but uh, I wasn't thinking about it every day. You know, it sounded great, but then as months went on, and in September, of course, nine eleven happens, and things get all you know thrown in disarray. The commission is leaving, um, you know, the mayor's leaving. You know, we're you know we're doing all the nine eleven stuff. You know, the aftermath, the ball, the landfill, the whole thing, catching cases in between, and it's really not on my mind. You know about um, about uh, getting first grade. Hey, well, Mike. I
3: just want to ask you one quick thing about that because I think I remember the story. Didn't he ask you when he made you second? You know, we feel bad because you were supposed to get promoted earlier. Didn't he ask you where you wanted to go? And you said, "No, I'm good in the Homicide Squad." Is that true?
1: Yes, he did ask if I wanted okay. to go anywhere else. Right. I remember um, that. But like you said, I said, "No, thank you. I'm, 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 not, I'm happy here."
2: Right. I want to go to the North Pole and work yeah. with the elves. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what do you got to think for elves now? <laughs> right.
1: But but anyhow, like I said, it sort of the back of my mind. But getting up, getting, I guess it was probably the twenty. I'm gonna say the twenty second of December. Um, it comes down that I'm getting first grade, and now I'm I'm ecstatic, and uh, it's great. I call the family. Hey, get everybody ready. It's going to be on Christmas Eve. The promotion was going to be. It was going to be Commissioner Carrick's last promotion, and Trudor was wordy. He, he got me first grade, and everything was great. The only problem was, is that I was up for the next case. And, oh God! You know, when you're in a homicide squad or in a detective squad, and you're up for the next homicide, you really, uh, <laughs> you really don't want it. Especially not only with the promotion, but Christmas and all that. You really don't want anything to do. So that night was fine; nothing happened. The next night, the team got together. And, um, we went out for a little dinner to celebrate and boom, you know, we catch a case at a seven on the 23rd. And, uh, thankfully a couple of my partners who, who Phil knows, well, Bobby Bush and, and John Nelson, God rest his soul. Both great guys stepped up and they took the case for me and, and, and ran with it. And I was able to go home and get promoted on the uh, 24th and
3: good men. You just mo- uh, mentioned both of them. Good people.
1: Yes. Great guys. Um, so now the 24th comes and I get promoted, everything's nice, come home, family in the house, friends, you have a little, you know, Christmas Eve and, and the next morning I get up early Christmas morning, um, to, uh, you know, get, get stuff ready for the kids. They were still young at the time. My wife comes down, we're getting the tree ready, all the presents underneath. And, uh, now I got to make the dreaded phone call to the borough, you know, God, I got one more day to go. What, What could happen on Christmas, you know? So I called the borough and Janice Raycraft, who was on the wheel, I just remember her saying, I said, hey, what's up? You know, it's Mike Imerich. You know, we got anything? And she's like, busy, busy, busy. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, God. And now I'm there. And, you know, my wife's sitting like, what's the matter? And she could watch, like, the Cobb Short, Like, the color's, like, draining out of my face now. She's like, well, we have uh, one stabbed uh, DOA in the 7 another one stabbed uh, likely to die. Another one stabbed. He's over in the county of Brookdale, and some guy in Jersey's probably part of it. He stabbed. He, you know, he's out in the hospital in Jersey. And I'm like, oh my God, you <laughs> know, any good news? You know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, Merry Christmas to you well, too. You know, she says like, well, the good news is it looks like it's all one incident in the, in the same, you know, same house party gone bad. You know, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess a uh, Silent Night, Holy Night wasn't on their playlist that night. You know, <laughs> so um i you know i tell my wife basically hey this is it you know i see you when i see you and off i go you know throw on the suit drive over to the set uh, to, the, to my office which is in Coney island grab a car go to Seven O, 7-0 and the case is as advertised there's about a dozen people there and you know various stage stages of sobriety um everybody's of, of mexican descent they're either sleeping screaming nobody speaks english and Death
2: by Corona. Yeah.
1: It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was it a McGill. It was, it was a McGill, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the good news, I caught the case with a guy named Louie Rivera, who's the uh, police down in Florida now. And he's a great guy. And he spoke Spanish. And the boss was Candy Rodriguez who spoke Spanish, too. So, you know, shortly after I got there, night night watching the squad guys did a good job of getting everybody in all one spot. But um, it became apparent that, you know. We had everybody there, perps, perps, uh witnesses and, and uh, victims. We were all together here. So victims,
3: victims were perpetrators and perpetrators were victims. Right.
1: And everybody was related either by yeah. blood. It, it was it the,
2: was the knife fight before Christmas right. and all through the house. You know, not a creature was stirring, not yeah. even a mouse. <laughs>
1: right. So it, it was a disaster. But you know what? The three of us, with the help of a couple other guys, we went through the and you know how the interviews go you know, I took five years of Spanish, you know, but it, it didn't help, you know. I could pick up a little bit, and uh, you know, but it was basically, hey, Louie, what do you say? Well, ask him this, and you're going back and forth, you're banging your head against the wall. and This goes on for a couple of days at least, you oh know, we're there, sleeping in the priesthood, going on and on. And finally, we're able to get a few people uh, together. You know, they named one of the guys in the station house as the stabber of the fatal. Thankfully, the other victims uh, were survive. you know, survived. So we get the DA's involved, we get the guys, the witnesses taped and we, we got the one guy collared. Um, everything's all good until the powers to be in the DA's office come in and, and I go to speak to him and say, listen, this is what happened. We go through the whole thing and uh, the DA's are like, uh, well, sounds great, but uh, we're not charging anybody with anything. I'm like, what, <laughs> excuse me? Uh, we're, we're not doing it, we're not prosecuting the case. Uh, so that's like a real kick in the, uh, you know, nuts. What was it? They
3: made it justified? Was it like, uh, no, they just, I,
1: I mean, they, you know, without getting into it, it's Christmas. I don't want to start beating people up, but I think it was more of a thing which, you know, which we already knew, like, you know, when they try to put this to trial a year from now, you know, the only, the only guy they're going to be able to find is the guy who was deceased. Everybody else is going to be in the way. And even if you find them, their story is going to change. They were all you know, like I said, related either by blood or from the old country, tight, and all that stuff. So um, that's how it went. And you know, Mike,
2: that was one of the most beautiful Christmas stories I have ever heard.
1: <laughs> yes, it is heartwarming. You that's what we call it. Was, cool. it was, you know, it was pathetic and sad and sickening and without getting on my soapbox. Oh, what the hell are we doing here? Three days yeah. and all this stuff. and Now the case is blown out. There's no justice. There's not what's right. You know, this isn't right and the whole thing, but you know, you learn after a while. I mean, that's
2: that's police work. That's that's, that's how it that's goes. Police work. Yeah. You know it
1: sounds
3: like a real big of shit
1: case, Mike.
2: I wanna <laughs> I wanna, you know, I wanna introduce everyone who's uh, who's can here you, tonight.
1: Can I just finish up real quick? Sure, sure. Quick. Joe gets, Cal, there he is. Oh, did, it, gets my, a, it gets a little worse because I'm putting after my name all he's on back here. to my office and I run into uh, my my boss comes in who who Phil knows and no names need to be mentioned. But he asked me what happened. I give him the whole sad story. Of what happened? And he says, "Okay, you're good. It's wrapped up." I said, "Yeah." And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, you know, yeah. Tomorrow's a day tour. I'll go home. It's Christmas. It's New Year's Eve. I'll spend some time with family." And the boss says, "No, you're not doing a day tour. You're going to you're going to Times Square. Get your uniform and go to Times Square."
2: Oh my God.
1: So uh, that that was that Christmas. But uh, just reflecting on the way back, you know, I, after it all, the smoke cleared, and they get home january you know new year's day later in the day a a, a thing popped in my head that an old timer told me one time and he said yeah you know what he says uh you know uh detectives are a lot like uh santa claus and i'm like what are you talking about detectives are a lot like santa claus he goes yeah you know like one day you're the greatest guy everybody loves you the whole world you can do no wrong he goes, the rest of the year you're just another fat guy in a bad suit, <laughs> and,
4: that's,
1: and that's exactly how that week went. You know, first grade, dodging the case, catching the case, and and then New that's, Year's that's, Eve, you're doing and New the Year's D- Eve. and you're in Times
2: yeah. Square. And I know oh my exactly God.
3: who it was that did that to you, Mike. He did I'm the sure same thing do, He did the same thing to me in '95. Great.
2: You know, so guys, pretty- I want to introduce everyone that's on the screen right now. Of course, that just finished that beautiful Christmas story, Mikey Heinrichs, first grade detective. My co-host, Phil Grimaldi, Duty Ron, the great uh, Duty Ron, that has the great podcast with one hundred eighteen thousand followers. He's uh, Duty Ron. You're gonna you're gonna go next if you're if you're ready for the I next am. story. And we, of course, we have a retired first grade detective and author, Michael O'Keefe, from. Uh, Reckoning in Brooklyn, burnt to a crisp, and shot to pieces. Those are his three novels. Nice. And to Mike's right is the legendary Lieutenant Peter Pranzo. Of um, your, your book is called Harlem Raiders. Harlem Raiders is his book. And my first time meeting him, Lieutenant Joe Calderera of narcotics fame. Welcome to the show, Lieutenant Joe.
4: Thank you very much. Nice to be here with all of you.
2: Okay, guys, listen. I'm gonna. I, I want to keep this going, so I'm gonna. Remove everyone except Duty Ron. Duty Ron's gonna uh tell his story.
0: One more. <laughs> all right, excellent. Thank you, Bill. Hey, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh inviting and uh Carol over in Scotland, Grace Grayson, I believe she was from Scotland. Thank you for suggesting this uh, Christmas special. Uh, I just want to say hello to everybody in the chat and welcome you guys to this great Christmas special that Bill and Phil put together. Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories is a great, great place to be, um, just like uh, Crime Time with Duty Ron. Uh, So Bill has asked me to come on and tell you guys a little bit of a Christmassy kind of story, a little bit something from the police side. You know, you guys hear about all of the things that we do with the doom and gloom, and you know, sh- shots fired, gunshots all over the place. Yeah, there you go. You got some gunshots. Uh, but contrary to what everybody believes or thinks, I don't know. I know a lot of you guys here, you know, strong supporters of the police. Um, we do great things uh, behind the scenes. We do a lot of really good things for not only the community but for the people who we come into contact with. Uh, my story takes me back to December 23rd of 2010, 2010. It's a long time ago. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's a long time ago, but you know, you're know, you talking about a little bit over a decade now. Uh, my partner and I working in the Warren Squad, and what we did is we did like a week of day, day tours and a week of night tours. And we were on the week of the night tours. So we had Night Court in Manhattan that was open until right around one o'clock. They would do arraignments in Manhattan and they would take warrants, uh, returns on warrants. So we were basically citywide. We got a call from the Port Authority bus terminal. Whenever we get the bus terminal calling into our office, we know that it's either going to be emotionally disturbed person, as we call them, EDPs, somebody, you know, transient, a homeless person that's trying to get out of the cold and into the Port Authority system uh, this was a warrant that was probably around uh, 10 or 12 years old. It was an, a really old warrant, bench warrant, and they called the wheel. We were catching, so we went down to the Port Authority bus terminal, picked this guy up. Uh, Six-foot-three, southern uh, southern guy, he had a thick southern accent. Me and my partner looked at each other and we were like, here we go. We got another you know, smelly homeless guy that we got to bring to uh, bring to court and see if the judge is going to remand him. Well, this guy turned out to be a gentleman. He's in the back of our car. We handcuffed him, brought him in. He was telling us about his whole life story. That he's a good guy. He had a great job. He got uh, addicted to drugs. He, um, you know, uh, came across crack cocaine and was addicted to crack cocaine. Came up from down in South Carolina, um, and you know he was telling us his story. We let him talk. It was. December 23rd, the night before Christmas Eve. Um, and we kind of knew that he was going to get remanded. Uh, so we were talking to him. He didn't have anywhere to live. He, You know, usually the judges look for family ties. He, His father still lived in South Carolina. He said that he wanted to get back to his father and he had no money because the money that he would get, he would use for drugs. So it was a song and dance that we heard many, many a time. My partner... Uh, he was getting ready to retire. I think his last day was January eighth of of t- two thousand and eleven. So he was on his way out. He was retiring. Um, I still had le- at least another year or so under my belt or two, and um, so we re- we turned this guy and he's talking. He was talking our ear off. We we kind of almost wanted to tell him to be quiet, but he was telling us that uh, five years in the past he saved a, a tourist in the si- in the uh, subway system. He was uh, beaten, got uh, stabbed. He got um, uh, slashed, not stabbed, slashed. He wound up wrestling the perpetrator that committed the crime against this kid uh, in the subway. I don't remember where he was from, but he was given the keys to the city by the mayor. um, And he was telling us the story, but we thought he was full of crap. We thought he was full of... Um, My partner and I proceeded to bring him up. The judge that was on the bench remembered the guy. And called us up to the bench and said, hey, listen, this guy, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to expunge his warrant. We're going to let him go. He remembered him from that whole incident uh, because it happened in Manhattan. And um, we were like, we both looked at each other and we're like, this guy really wasn't full of shit. He was telling us the truth. You know, um, he does have a drug problem and he did want to get back to see his father, but he didn't have any money in South Carolina. You know, we both looked at each other. It was Christmas, the night before Christmas Eve. uh, My partner and I looked at each other and we nodded our heads. And what we decided to do that night was return this guy to his father in South Carolina. So we purchased his one-way ticket down on Greyhound. We brought him back to, we drove him back to the Port Authority bus terminal. We bought his one-way ticket, but we didn't buy the ticket until we got his father on the phone. He was 93 years old. We called his father. We verified that he had a place to stay. And his father was just, he broke down. He was crying on the phone. We called him by department phone. Um, And we paid. Uh, We paid for his his ticket back. And we gave him 20 bucks extra. So it was one of our feel-good stories, but it didn't end there. Um, So December 24th, around there, he made it back Christmas Eve to South Carolina his father called me and verified that he had his son. And what he told me next was the best Christmas gift I ever got. And I, um, it was December 26th. It was the day after Christmas, the guy called me. And it was back then we had those department phones. We would take them home with us. I called me on the department phone and he said, um, Mr. Uh, Detective Liccardi, you know, this is so-and-so. I wanna just say that you gave me the best gift of my life. And I said, what is that? And he said, my son. He gave me my son back. And um, I was in tears. It was uh, the day after Christmas. And it's just some of the good that New York City police officers and police officers and detectives, sergeants in all ranks across the United States, probably across the world, this is some of the good stuff that gets done by the police department. And, and you never hear about those stories. So that's my Christmas story for you guys. I forgot to turn my lights to um, red. I was supposed to do that before I did it. So that is the duty Ron Christmas story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it made me feel really good. And and I know bill as a sergeant, you, you're, you're proud of your, you know, your men who uh, work for you. So
2: 100% duty Ron, that was a very touching story. And I, I think that probably all of us in some way, some time in our career have a story like that, yeah. uh, that we really help someone out and it's very heartwarming, to hear that you really touched someone's life in, in such a great way. Um, folks, thank you so much. I just want to thank all of our subscribers, all our fans, our channel members, our Patreon people. CR Patrick, thank you so much for the $20 super chat. Uh, it's really appreciated. And all you folks, Fuzzy fuzzy Doxy, thank you for the $9.99 super chat. And of course, Duty Ron, he's on the show and he's giving me super chats. Very much appreciated. Uh, you know, it's good to do a show like this. We're not doing it. For money, it's 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 a touching show, and I think it's great when cops can tell their stories and people can really see cops as human beings. Uh, I want to. I'm going to take Duty Ron off the uh, off the screen. I'm going to put Lieutenant Pete Pranzo. Duty Ron, thank you so much for that great story. Thank you, Bill. Okay, Lieutenant. That's Lieutenant the Great Lieutenant Pete Pranzo. Uh, Yes retired a that lot was of years ago
3: warming story though i'm sorry to interrupt you billy but i really love that duty ron that was that was great that was really uh the judge you guys the ticket the father calling you that's a real great nypd christmas story
2: wonderful you know and as, as i was saying that most cops if you do a you know 20-year career or more than that you have stories like that and some yeah. of them you you just take for granted. You forget about them because you're doing good things all the time, you know. Sure. Lieutenant Pete, I know you have some amazing stories. Oh, uh, as soon as you start, <laughs> uh, I think Phil and I are going to take ourselves off the screen. I'm going to let you have the whole screen. So you, uh, you got the stage, Lieutenant Pete.
5: Uh, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Salute. Merry Christmas. Salute. Salute. Samsun with the three beans in there,
3: that's it. Nice.
5: <laughs> Billy okay. tried to get me with
3: that one one time. He threw the three beans question at me, that's but I got right. it right. That's right.
5: Health, happiness, and prosperity. That's okay. it. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me on. As always, it's it's a privilege. I appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Bill and Phil, and and all the other guys. I appreciate that very much. It's been a it's been a great ride. And as they said, I'm I'm. By far, I'm the uh, oldest guy here. I'm 75. I'm out 33 years, and uh, it's it's been a great retirement and, and been keeping busy. On to you know now the stories I'm telling you are going back 40 years, so you have to bear with me a little bit. Uh, but we, I was part of my most of my career. 90% of it was making arrests, and uh, that was like that's all you did. That's all your. Uh, The teams that I work with and I supervise for many years uh, was, that's what I did. So when I talk about the uh, uh, Christmas holidays and such, I'd like to move away from that a little bit because, you know, we've all been involved in those kind of serious uh, incidents and shootings and things that went right and things that went bad. But we were very involved and I was in particular for so many years involved in the ugly side of police work especially back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, it was a violent time. So I'd like to just talk about what we did. I'll make it as quick as I can. And uh, the 3-2 precinct was Central Harlem. And uh, at back in those days, uh, Central Harlem, that particular precinct, was very poor. Probably, uh, in my I traveled all around that city and I worked in almost all the precincts. It was probably, at the time, it was the center point for... Uh, the heroin connection from the mafiosa was bringing the heroin in and delivering it. So it was a violent precinct for many years and decades, and it was a very, very sad situation, especially for the children. So uh, it was payback in our way that uh, my team, the Harlem Raiders, uh, a, a diverse team of black, Spanish, and white, uh, a tough, tough bunch of cops. Uh, And we went out of our way at the holiday time and Christmas in particular, we went out of our way to uh, make sure that every poor kid in that precinct, every handicapped child, sick child, um, mentally ill child, they all had access to some kind of a little piece of Christmas. So we made sure uh, through our community relations folks and our personal knowledge that uh, every kid in that precinct would have a present. So through donations and private contributions and such, uh, we made sure that every child, every child in that Holland precinct had a baby doll for the girls and we had trucks uh, for the boys and, uh, and it worked out very well. And personally, what the guys did, especially my raiders, is my tough, big, tough cops, all Vietnam veterans and Marines and, and uh, Army vets, uh, toughest guys that you could imagine. Uh, heroes in their own right. Uh, they would get in the police cars, go out and bring these kids with their parents into the precinct so they could be uh, receive their presents. And if they couldn't come into the precinct, weren't able to, we would personally go out there uh, with the community relations folks who would go out there and deliver those presents to the kids. Now these kids, there was no Christmas tree, you know, very poor family structure. It was very sad. Uh, and uh, it was so when, we, when they got their little meager present or two it made such a big difference to their lives and the parents or parent and some of them had none they were with the other uh, orphan type of parents uh, it was beautiful and it was very heartwarming and uh, I thought about which kind of stories to tell and such like that a lot of funny ones I had but I think this was was something that uh, uh, it could portray of what police around the city, and that's just not the precincts that I worked in, but the precincts around the city, this is what they do around the holidays. They all have these Santa Claus set up at the precinct, and they all have the presence for those, of course, who can't afford it or get nothing. And uh, and, I, and I mean it. It's, it's an impressive time of the year. So to see big, tough, strapping cops do this kind of work uh, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, pushing aside the arrests and personal situations and uh, making sure that it was a, a Merry Christmas for all the young people in the precincts that I worked, in particular the 3-2 Precinct, one of the toughest, best precincts in New York City history.
2: You know, Lieutenant Pete, uh, I've gotten to know you over the last couple of years. You've been on a guest on this show numerous, numerous times, and and I mean... What people see is what they get with you. You are a gem of a man. You're a hero. I'm I'm sure you were a great dad, you're probably a great grandfather. But uh, we really appreciate you and we just want to let you know that.
5: Thank you so much, and it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Phil. And it was an honor to be here. You guys are the best. Police off the cover.
2: Oh, you're the man, Lieutenant so Pete. Much.
5: Thank you, guys.
2: Yeah, you know, the next guy we have up is uh he's another, I mean Seems like everyone on this damn show is a hero, you know, Uh, and it's, um, uh, Lieutenant Pete, I'm going to have to pull you off the screen to make some room for him. Uh, It's Lieutenant, it's uh, Detective Michael O'Keefe. And uh, if you know Mike's story, it's an amazing story. In 1992, he, of course, was the police officer who got in a life and death fight with a drug dealer named Kiko Garcia. And Kiko Garcia is no longer here. And Mike, Michael O'Keefe is. And we're happy yeah. that it, it turned out that way. And Mike's alive, and Kiko Garcia is in uh a drug dealer hell or wherever he went, you know. But uh it's good great, great. And Mike, not only did Mike he re- reinvented himself once he retired from the police department, he's an author of novels. He's got three novels out. Um, shot to pieces, um, burnt to a crisp and requiem in brooklyn i can't believe i remembered all three of them that was pretty impressive and uh and he's a great he's a great storyteller he's a great guy ladies and gentlemen uh michael o'keefe
6: all right well thank you very much for having me merry christmas guys uh it's a very heartwarming story so far i don't have one of those uh i'm going all the way back to christmas eve of 1987 it was uh actually my second christmas in the three four and uh i was uh was we were doing the old nine squad chart at that point i was in uh, squad four but we had rotated into late tours and that christmas eve was actually our last one and you know you go down to minimum manpower i'm working with a guy i don't remember his name it was either phil or Ray anthony but uh He was a guy that didn't make much of an impression. He had like five years uh, on the job at the time. Uh, Whereas, you know, I'm a newcomer. I'm only there a year. Um, But I don't ever remember seeing him at like radio runs or backing people up or uh, making arrests. And it didn't occur to me until that night, you know, why that was so. But in any event, we're we're thrown in together. And this is uh, after chasing my wife for two years, she finally let me... uh, She slowed up enough for me to almost catch her and this was going to be our first christmas together i'm going to be at her mother's house the following day for christmas dinner so this is a big thing it's uh i really like this girl which you know evidence uh how much i liked her i ended up marrying her and we're uh (laughs) together almost 30 years now um but i'm working with this guy and the understanding is neither one of us wants to get stuck with an arrest Obviously, because we want to be home for Christmas. And I'm okay with it. And they give us the old uh, Sector in the 3-4, George Henry. Um, And there's a tough area closer to the precinct, down toward Broadway. But if you go all the way to the west, uh, excuse me, to the east, all you have there is Yeshiva University. So this guy Phil or Anthony decides that he's going to drive and he's going to keep us out of trouble. And basically what he does... He's doing a circuitous route around Yeshiva University. Uh, And it's getting to the point where it's really boring. Uh, Apart from the fact, you know, I understand and we're not looking to lock anybody up and I'm I'm cool with that. But guy, have something to talk about. He's maybe the most boring person I've ever been in a car with. But we're going down 180. uh, I believe it was 184th Street heading down toward uh, Laurel Hill Terrace, which actually is behind Yeshiva University. It's actually from the street. Larry Davis, uh, a couple of years before that, had actually sprayed the university with machine gun fire just to test out a new gun that he had. Uh, and I think they still have specialty uh, specialty posts there now, SP1 and SP2, that still guard the university, even though Larry Davis is dead. Uh, but in any event... Politically, that's how things work in New York. Uh, protection forever. Uh, but we're coming down 184th Street, and there are brownstones, old brownstones over on the right as we cross Amsterdam Avenue, heading down to Laura Hill Terrace. And I see people up on, on the parlor level coming down the stone steps. And the first guy coming out has that giant knife with white stuff around it sticking out of his chest. And he's being followed by two females. And the guy, I, and I start banging on Phil's arm like, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. He's paying no attention to anything until thunk, this guy's on the hood of the car. He finally steps on the brake. The guy slides off the front and down in front of the RMP. I get out and he has the hilt of the knife sticking out of his chest. It's probably about nine inches long, which means that it's there's at least nine inches of knife in his chest. And it's covered all around the outside in icing. So I sp- start speaking to the women. They're all from Mexico. They're all from the same, originally the same village in Chiapas in Mexico, uh, which I later found out talking to them. But uh, I'm asking, what's go- how did this happen to them? And they speak English. They actually work in the restaurant industry in Manhattan. Uh, this guy, the victim had just been up for a year and the guy that stabbed him is up in the second floor apartment. It's his best friend. He's the one that talked him into moving from Mexico to relocate to New York for the economic opportunity. So we decide, all right, we, we call an ambulance, roll the bus forthwith. Uh, we got him stabbed. And now I go up to go find the guy the stabber. And it occurs to me about a a flight up, I'm alone. So, all right, that's how it's going to go, I guess. And I go up into the apartment and I swing the door open. And in the kitchen, standing over a cake with what looks like a fist indent into the middle of it, holding another enormous 14-inch knife, is the other guy. And he's practically hyperventilating. He's all upset. He's got this crazed look in his eyes. (laughs) I draw down on him like, Dude, just put the knife down. And he looks at me like he's thinking about having a lunge. I beg him. Please, please, guy. Don't make me kill you on Christmas Eve. I got things to do tomorrow. But finally, he comes to his senses sentences, and he realizes, yeah, I should probably put the knife down. And he drops the knife. Um, uh, I get him hooked up. I bring him down and... The bus is bringing the guy right to, uh, I think they were going right to Columbia Press. They didn't pronounce him, but he was, He had already gone out at a pic, uh, picture at that time. So now I'm trying to make some sense of what the hell's going on here. And I end up getting the whole story from the females. And this guy, who will not shut up, he just keeps confessing. He's sorry. He's miserable. Will you please shoot me? Uh, this is my best friend in the world. We were fighting over who was going to get to cut the Christmas cake it's probably as as senseless a homicide on christmas eve probably that was ever committed but uh, the guy i'm working with will not take part in helping me with this arrest in any way shape or form he
2: you know mike that that's another one of the most beautiful christmas stories i've ever heard
6: <laughs> well, it gets better because i don't you know my shit doesn't get ruined he's not helping me with anything He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to hear anything. He's covering his ears. Finally, Nightwatch comes to the 3-4. The guy shows up and goes, look, I'm not staying. I'm going to let you into the squad. Just babysit him. The squad will be in in the morning. Don't do anything with this guy. So I figure I'm stuck. (laughs) this You know, this wedding romance, this first big Christmas family dinner, with my girlfriend's family. I'm not even going to have a girlfriend after this. This is over.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: I'm sitting in the squad and uh, I have no one to talk to. So I'm talking to this guy. And really it's just me listening to him. Tell me his tale of woe and apologize. He keeps apologizing for killing his friend. I'm like, yeah, I know we've been over that. <laughs> Let's wait for the detectives. Cause I have no idea what to do with this information. I got like a year and a half on the job. <laughs> Sure enough, the squad comes in. I think it was Tony Imperato, Jerry Giorgio, and Huey Drain came in. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "They didn't tell you? <laughs> I got a homicide collar." Tony Imperato, who always had a had a uh, had a smart mouth, is like, "In your dreams, you got a homicide collar. <laughs> and you don't get to get them, kid." And then. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he meant it. <laughs> yeah, he goes, no, no, we're taking this. We're taking the whole thing. Thank you for right. having it for us, but we're taking the whole thing. I'm like, great, what do I got to do? He goes, well, after you talk to us and we tell the district attorney what you're going to tell the district attorney for the grand jury, you're going to go down to the medical examiner's office and you're going to go home and have a merry fucking Christmas. And I said, yes, I am. That's even on my way. And it was it <laughs> just took it off my hands. I mean. It was a shame about this poor guy losing his life. But it was my first uh, homicide apprehension. And from that point forward, I'm like, I'm going to lock up everybody for murder and not keep any of them. Uh, It didn't work out that way, though. That's a great
2: story. Uh, Rachella Pranzo, thank you so much for the $20 Super Chat. Uh, Allegedly guilty. I don't know if that's Joe Murray or Angie Yang. Thank you for the $4.99 Super Chat. And Philly, I think you're Phil Grimaldi. You're up next, but uh, I think Lieutenant Joe disappeared. He did. I don't he- see him on the screen. I can add him, but he's he's not there.
3: Okay, maybe his phone is messed up. Let me text him, and then I'll get into the story.
2: You guys, uh, let me let me put a, let me add everyone back to the screen. Uh, hey, Mikey, you all right?
1: I'm good. Duty.
2: Right, I got to put good. duty. Run. That's the screen, and that's not even everybody. So when I add the lieutenant, if I add him, there's seven people on the screen. This was what Hollywood Squares were looking at, right? Wasn't that <laughs> oh, the, old, the old show? The old show we had. Yep. You know, you know, it's funny and not not funny, but I mean, when I asked you guys to tell story, I didn't ask you what your stories were. You know, I was and Duty Ron told like the most heartening. And, you know, it was like one of those stories you could tell in a Hallmark card, you know. And the, the rest of you guys have stories that you can tell in, you know, in a homicide book, right, or a, a movie uh, about about the hood. But it, but I think there are pe- the folks that watch us and listen, and uh, I think they appreciate those stories even more than the heartfelt Christmas stories, you know. And actually, Lieutenant Pete had uh, a very heartfelt Christmas story also, and I mean, I can't even imagine. Uh, you were in the three two. What in the seventies? Was it the seventies or?
5: Yeah, seventies uh, and eighties. Uh, seventy-seven to eighty-four.
2: Wow, yeah. that place yeah. must have been. Uh, you yeah. fourteen years. You were in the three two. No, no, seventy-seven
5: to eighty-four.
2: Oh, 77, I, Yeah, yeah that's why I became a cop. I can't do again. math. Yeah, <laughs> that was Joe should
3: be coming back in, Bill. He. Uh, I think
2: I think he's back in. I'm going to add him. Uh, I'm going to take all you guys out. Before you let Mike
3: go, Mike, listen to the story we're going to tell, because it's quite similar to the story you just told, believe it or not.
2: All right. I'm going to remove everyone, including me. I'll leave Phil and Lieutenant Joe.
3: Let's hope we have Joe. There he is. Silly boy, I can't hear you. you. You can't hear us? Do you have any volume at all? Oh, boy. All right. Let's see if maybe he can uh, reestablish. I'm going to get into the story. There's a little pretext to the story. Now, this is Christmas Day, 1983. Both Joe and I are working in the 70. I only had about a year and a half on the job. Joe about the same, but we weren't partners. His partner had children and uh, here he comes back. Let's see if we got him. Oh, we got the blank screen. Anyways, his partner had children, so he worked to give his partner off. My partner had children. Joe, can you hear me? All right. We had him for a second there. Anyway, I gave my partner off, and he gave his partner off, so him and I hooked up together. Now, in those days, uh, one of the other guys that was telling a story, I think it was – uh, Mikey Heinrich said, uh, on Christmas Day, they go down to minimum manning. So the bottom line is, is that when we turned out on Christmas Day for four to 12, there was a north car and a south car, we were the north car. So we had the north end of the precinct. It turned out it was a it was a lovely day. It was real cold out. I pulled up the weather for that day. And uh, it was actually the coldest day of the year. The high was 13, and the four, uh, the low was four degrees that day, Christmas day. So it was extremely cold. It had been cold for a few days, and that plays into the story a little bit because in uh, the Sevenoaks precinct there was Prospect Park with a big lake, and the lake would freeze over. So you would have um, an ice car. There would be a, 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 a fixed post. A car, a uniform patrol car, would be assigned to the lake, and um, they needed a, uh, they'd have to stay there for the whole tour. And they had a one hour meal. So we were told at six o'clock to go over 1800 hours and relieve the ice car, So they could go to, uh, the, the, it was one officer. So he could go to meal. Now on Christmas day, four to 12, everybody brought in some stuff. I remember Joe Cald's mom. I think she made baked uh, My mom made something. Everybody uh, brought in a little something to eat. So the guy that we were leaving was going to go into the go into the precinct and eat. So, uh, Joe and I are in the, uh, in, in the park and it was really like a picture postcard. It was a beautiful day. Uh, let's see. Do we got jo- Joe? can you hear me?
4: Oh yeah. I can hear you now.
3: All right, good. We're g- I'm just about at the part where you got to take over Joe. So we're in the park. The You're guy goes the to story. me.
4: what do you need me for?
3: No, 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 no. The, the, <laughs> the good part is coming. The good part is coming. So I that was
4: the good part.
3: That was the good part. You're right. We relieve the ice car, but I got to give you a picture of what Prospect Park looked at. There was a little snow. The the lake was frozen. So it was a beautiful scene. So we're leaving the park and Joe gets on the PA speaker and he starts singing, walking in a winter wonderland. And he's doing the whole song over the PA. So we're having a great time. And just as we exit the park, a call comes over on Ocean Parkway in a very nice building, by the way. And it came over as calls for help. Uh, Joe, I'm going to let you take over from there. And if I need to interject, I will.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, first thing I want to say is as I'm hearing all these stories, of course, when it was my turn, my phone went uh, kaput. And it sounded like on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Remember when they were playing that song and it kept going, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I could hear. I couldn't hear what anybody was saying. But uh, with Detective O'Keefe, he was talking about Washington Heights and the 3-4. And you might be saying, Philly, what does he know about the 3-4? You know, I was always a Brooklyn cop. But, uh, Mike, my my father's business was right next door to the yeshiva. He was 183rd Street and Amsterdam Avenue. So I kind of grew up over there on Fridays. I used to go change tires and do oil changes and stuff on my father's... uh, garage so you're saying that a lot of a lot of good memories came back to me but uh the other thing i want you guys to know is um if you're ever going to be in a foxhole and uh the fighting going on the guy you want next to you is Phil grimaldi believe me when i tell you uh thank you John. never been a never been a better guy uh as long as uh you know he got all his things done his dry cleaning his uh his Air banking cut. whatever else he had to do haircut then he was ready for action so the day in question he's talking about, we relieved the ICE car and uh, something else had come up. We were actually holding a job because we were getting ready for a meal. So we were holding a job. We are on, we on our way into the house and this job comes over and uh, it wasn't calls for help. What it was was a noise complaint and it was a noise complaint. So they, they're calling the other car, the uh, south car, to come all the way across the precinct to handle this job because... You know, we're out of service and something else. So I said, Philly, we're going to take this job. I'm not going to make these guys come all the way across town. So uh, we go to the building. Like Philly said, it was really a nice building. And as we got to the front door, like I said, it's a noise complaint. There's no reason to be leery about this or nervous or anything like that. And as we walked into the the hallway, I I recognized that there was two stairwells going up. So the building had a north side and a south side. And, you know, a lot of times in these buildings, you go in and the radios would go out. So I stepped back out for a second. I said, Central, please be advised. Uh, there's two stairwells in this building. We're going up the south stairwell. That's where this apartment is. And I remember the uh, dispatcher. Can you imagine this 40 years later, Philly? I remember the dispatcher's name. Is, it was uh, Bobby. And he was like the best dispatcher in Brooklyn South. Yeah, and he said, uh, okay, Frog, uh, no problem. You could just hear in his voice like, geez, why are you telling me that? You know, what's the big deal? So we go up a couple of flights, and this door opens up a little crack, and this guy, he he points, he puts his hand out, and he points his hand upstairs, that that's where the problem is. So Philly and I look at each other, we go up another flight, and now you hear the commotion, you know? And there's like, really screaming and blood-curdling screams really, really sound like a bad dispute. And again, you know, you think you're going to a noise complaint. Somebody's playing Christmas carols too loud. So the door is ajar. I'm on the side of the door where the hinges are. Philly's on the other side. And I push open the door, and Philly's got his gun out. And here's a guy, and there's three women around him. And there's, they're fighting. And the guy's got this big knife, like O'Keefe was talking about, big carving knife and he's got it up in the air and the three women are grappling with him and it looks as though he's looking to stab one of them and we're screaming towards him and again what O'Keefe was saying uh, was saying and <laughs> the guy took my thunder the guy starts walking towards us and I'm telling him drop the knife drop the knife and Philly's telling me Joey I'm gonna shoot him Joey I'm gonna shoot him and I remember saying to the guy kid please Don't make me kill you on Christmas. I remember saying the exact thing to him. And he took another step or two and Philly said, I'm going to shoot him. And all of a sudden he drops the knife. So he drops the knife and Philly said, Joey, go get the knife. So I go to get the knife. I go to pick up the knife. And as I pick up the knife, he gives me a kick in my chest. He knocks me down and he starts running for the back and he's screaming, I'm going to get my gun. So I hop back up, I start after him, Philly's after him, and Philly gets tangled up with the women. So he goes into a a back bedroom, it was like a, a, what they used to call it Philly, like a boxcar uh, apartment, you know, the the one hallway, and he closes the door, and I slam into the door, and I hit the door so hard that the door came off the hinges, and when the door went down onto the floor, I went onto the floor on top of it. So, uh geez, I can't believe I just did that. Oh, my
3: God. We still we still got your volume, Joe. Can you hear
4: me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was getting a text, and I touched the thing. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Maybe so, it'll uh, come back, but keep
3: talking. We can hear I'm, you.
4: I'm on the floor, on top of the door, and the guy hops on my back, and he's got another knife, and he's got it raised up. And I remember blinking and saying, Jesus what a, what a day to get killed. Get killed on Christmas, and I'm going to ruin Christmas for my mother and my sister forever. And that's all going through your head. You know, they say you believe your life flashes before your eyes. The next thing I know, I never got stabbed because Philly knocked the guy off me so clean. I didn't even feel him knock him off me. And uh, he's got the guy. And next thing you know, before I could even get into that fight, I'm attacked by the three women. So, uh, you know, we're battling it out. Did you enjoy the three women attacking you? Uh, not, not the way I recall. No. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we wind up, we get the guy cuffed. We didn't lock up any of the women. And, uh, you know did there was
3: you, no hope. Do you me. remember the no, uh, the, the grandmother took a heart attack, Joe? You remember that part? Oh, yeah, I, I
4: did right remember at, that, right? But, as we uh, it.
3: And if you remember correctly, the guy was wearing a bathrobe, and he yeah, had I do remember like a red knife. one, right? He had it, yes, he had the steak yeah. knife in the bathrobe. And when he dropped the first big knife, we thought, all right, things calmed down, the guns went away, you know, all of that, and then just all hell broke loose. And uh, I think, uh my nightstick had an indent of his uh, of his head uh, from the uh, from the
4: the blow that I got him off your back. Well, you told me you told me not to say any of that stuff, so I didn't say any of it. You know. Well, you <laughs> could say it. Well, listen, uh, he was about <laughs> to plunge a knife into your neck. But this and I is, think, uh, but this is the this is the, the, the moral of the story was what it turned out to be is they were having Christmas dinner, and one of the daughters uh, had her boyfriend at dinner, and he said something that the kid didn't like. And they started going at it, and the kid got the knife, and he threatened the the boyfriend, and the boyfriend ran out. And uh, now the women were keeping him from going out after him with the knife. So, you know, he wasn't attacking the women, which is what it appeared to be when we got there. So make a long story short, um, when uh, everybody came back from the hospital, and the guy was in the hospital for a while and all, and he's, he's in a cage, and uh he was he had been high on angel dust i mean that was the, the crux of it and uh that's made him you know pretty strong and pretty violent so uh he said to me, hey officer can i talk to you i said i don't want to talk to you you know that tried to kill me on christmas Saturday. he wants to talk he's a police officer can i talk to you i said yeah what is it? he goes i'm i'm very sorry i acted like that
3: that's
4: right i said what he says I'm very sorry. I acted like that. I'm sorry if I hurt you, and I hope you have a merry Christmas. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, where do you put your hate? You know, I mean, the kid was about 17, 18 years old. He was a kid, and I'd like to tell you, you know, he was six foot two, 250 pounds, but that wasn't the case. He was not a big kid. He was about our size, Joe, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, but maybe, maybe a I mean, little That's taller. not big.
3: You know, I'm five seven. You know, he so. was a he was a wiry kid. And you're right. I remember at the end of it, when he apologized to you, then he apologized. I remember shaking hands with the guy and him telling me, you know, it was uh, the seventh anniversary of my father's death. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. This guy, the boyfriend, uh, you know, he came off to me and the the whole thing broke loose. But uh, but I just want everybody to you were more
4: mature than me because I wasn't shaking hands, you know. I wasn't too happy. And the reason we were working together that day was because our partners wanted to be off Christmas Day. Right. And we wanted to be off Christmas Eve. And uh, I, had, I had already worked, I worked at Thanksgiving Day Parade, and they wanted to give you one day off back then, like out of the uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. They wanted you to have at least one day. So Christmas Eve was uh, a bigger day for both Philly and I. And we thought that was terrific. We to get a chance to work together. <laughs> and uh, after that day, uh, Philly Grimaldi's been my very best friend and my brother, I appreciate that. Joe. That's Thank that's you. great,
2: man. You know, you guys, uh, I have everyone on the screen right now, except of course Lieutenant Joe because he disappeared. I'm but, gonna,
4: I'm gonna but, try to get back yeah, on go out and go back, back skin, skin, Joe, please. So, yeah, before but you know,
2: for all you folks listening and you folks watching, uh, on the screen here is some of the uh, the best that ever worked a job on the NYPD, and I, 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 really, I really, really mean that. Uh, Mikey Heinrichs, I mean, I can't. Uh, I mean, I'm such so honored to have him on the show, and I always, Thanks. I sort of, I, I sort of like to tease him now because I have a, um, I have a picture of his rack somewhere. Where the hell is? Oh, here it is. Here we oh, go. And, there I you mean go. If that's not the craziest <laughs> rack in the history of the NYPD, you guys uh, that don't know about police work, that green bar is the, it's called the combat cross, and he's got an oak leaf. If you see anyone with a green bar and an oak leaf turn the other way and go away from that guy, all right? And then he, the blue bar is the Medal of Valor, and if you see an oak leaf on that, now you know this guy's double crazy. So, <laughs> and, and and In addition, he's got 212 department citations. Unbelievable, Mike. You had an unbelievable career, and it's my honor to always have you on the show, and uh, I'm hoping in 2022 to get you on the show more often if you'd only buy a laptop.
1: Right, and stay out of the woods, too. <laughs>
2: And stay out of the woods up in the Adirondacks <laughs> where there's no Wi-Fi, you know.
1: They right, uh, don't uh, so have Wi-Fi up there
6: now.
2: <laughs> oh, they <laughs> do have Wi-Fi up there. That's great. Uh, we got Michael O'Keefe, you know, who's doing great things as a writer right now, and I'm trying to – all that, you know, look, I try to help people out even post-job if I know people and if I can hook them up with a connection, and I try to do that with with, with people. Uh, and, and believe me, I'm not trying to tap my, uh, pat myself on the back. Because I can't reach it, but I got arthritis in my shoulder, you know? And uh Duty Ron. Uh Duty Ron has helped our show, police off the cuff, real crime stories, more than any single person. And I was when I first started doing the show, uh, even though I had been doing it for a couple of years, I was doing it all wrong. And I didn't know that YouTube was the place to be and how to work YouTube as a science. And Duty Ron uh taught me all of that stuff. And as a result, we're nearing 25,000 subscribers and, you know, inching along we're inching along there. And, uh, you know, we do, we do what we call cross pollinate. We help each other out. We have each other, we help each other get guests. We appear on each other's shows and that's helped tremendously. Ron, I just want to thank you for that.
0: And and Bill, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on with you. I I, got to say, you know, helping other cops is what we got to do in our retirement, right? We got to stick together it was, tough enough. it was tough enough while we were on the job with uh, all the different nonsense that we had to deal with. Now that we're off the job, it's the Gentleman's Club. This is what we talk about. So, you know, when I saw what was going on with your show, I said, I got to try to help this guy. If I can get his attention. Finally got your attention. <laughs> but I want to say happy belated birthday, Bill, right? Wasn't it your birthday yet? No,
2: it's actually my birthday tomorrow. I just oh, celebrated it yesterday because right. my sons couldn't come up during the week because no. they... You know they both work. I got
0: to change my calendar because I put it in for yesterday. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're trying to play games with me. But no, anyway. I, w-
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. You know, I. You know, when my son was younger, my youngest son Jake, his birthday would like start out with he'd have about five or ten different celebrations for his birthday, and I was like, Jake, stop it. Your birthday is one day. You get one damn party. You know, and I always remember that. So, you know, even though we, so we celebrated it already. So I don't need. You know 10 other parties but you know that's that's the I, way I it's fun i
0: definitely feel honored to be here with all these great uh retired uh, detectives uh lieutenants you know you, you guys are uh tremendous tremendous people so thank you You
2: know and you know ron also you know cops are such great storytellers i mean they, they're we all i think it's from telling war stories in bars you get good at it you exactly. get practice right <laughs> And like, but some people are better at telling war stories than others. Let's face it, right? Yeah. And it's it's an honor. Go
3: through it too, Bill. When you go through it, certain things like that day is etched into my mind, and oh my I can gosh. remember it like it was yesterday. That we were having such a you know, it's like on the spin of a dime, everything turned from good to bad, you know.
2: Yeah, and that you know, that's the way it always is, right? Like, that. I mean. And,
3: and, you know, you remember names, you remember places, you remember uh, specific things, especially when somebody tries to take your life. I think that uh, Yeah, that's you know, that's I'm an experience going. you don't forget, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh Schmitty,
2: the third, thank you for the five dollar super chat. Much respect to all of you. Thank you for all that you do. I wish I could tell you individually, we would have my you you would all have my back anytime, guaranteed. Thank you, Smitty. You're thank you're you. a good man. Really appreciate it. Go ahead, Joe. Joe Kane. Wait, I just want. Can I just read what Captain, retired Captain Joe Kane wrote? Uh, Each and every one of you guys are what I call the real police, not spoken lightly. Merry Christmas to all. That's Captain Joe Joe. Kane, who is my accountant, and he owns a company called (laughs) Finest Financial. So rather than you guys asking for financial advice on Facebook, call Captain Joe Kane, you know? (laughs) He'll help you out. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate that. You know, folks. Everyone knows when they're among the real police, you know, and I don't say that lightly either because not everyone that's on the job or cop is the real police, but all you guys on this screen are the real police. And I say feel so much safer when I'm around cops. Why? Is someone going to attack me? I don't know, but I feel so much safer when I'm around cops. What do you think, Mike? Mikey Heinrichs?
1: Oh. Yeah, no. I think. Well, you know, who else are you going to hang out with these days? You know, <laughs> <laughs> no one else will hang out with us anymore. <laughs> no. The only people that will have,
5: have Mike on. on. That's, right. Only, That's people, right. only people who will listen to the war stories are other cops. You know, all the. That's right. Well, you know, right. but, you know oh, I don't God. think
4: I was ever at Brooklyn Central booking that I didn't see Mike Heinrich
2: there. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah,
4: right. You know, it's a
0: good time. I think every
4: every time I ever went, and I'm not saying I was there as often as him, but anytime I went, he was there.
0: His <laughs> black shows it. When I saw and him, you know jo-
2: Joe White Murray, White. Uh, attorney Joe Murray. Thank you, Amen, my brothers. Happy birthday, Bill. Thank you, Joe, and a Merry Christmas to one and all. Thank you, Joe. We really appreciate you.
4: Good. You know, well, you I'm, I'm, uh, the best I'm kind of Joe flattered Murray. because uh, I think I'm the only narco ranger here. These are all squad guys. Yeah, so, that's, that's true. Uh, I don't know how I got in, onto this, but I, I want yeah. to tell you a quick story. This isn't a Christmas story. But um, any of you uh, remember uh, Chief Capello, Eddie Capello? Sure. No. All right, Chief Capello was uh, uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn South Detectives. And when he was an inspector, I was a sergeant of 6'7". I was a probationary sergeant. And I knew Eddie my whole life. As a matter of fact, like his, his sister and my mother were um, maid of honors for each other. And uh, I knew my whole life. So now uh, my probation was almost over, and I heard they were looking for sergeants in the squad. So I went upstairs. I knocked on the door. He said, hey, Joseph, come in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, Eddie, uh, there's a business call. He said, what's that? I said, I heard you're looking for sergeants in the squad. He said, why, you know somebody? I said, yeah. (laughs) Me. You're looking at him. So he goes, goes, "Uh, Joey. you know, you had to have been a detective to – to be a squad sergeant, so I said, "Oh Eddie, maybe you didn't hear. You know, before I got promoted to sergeant, I, w- I got promoted to detective." Right. He said, "No, nah, you were a narcotics detective. That doesn't count." <laughs>
2: <laughs> man, he insulted you every <laughs> way till Sunday, man. <laughs> what do you, you mean know? I almost forgot, out? Philly. You got to do a quick one for Joe Murray. <laughs> no
3: Joe Murray, attorney at law. Joe, glad you're on with us tonight. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of? Legal counsel in the New York area. Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can reach Joe on his email at joe at jmurray-law.com.
2: Excellent, Phil. Joe also
3: has a podcast, and there it is
2: allegedly, allegedly guilty. guilty. Guys, we're at an hour and 8 minutes, so I'm going to go around. I'm going to give everyone 30 seconds. No long four score and 20 years ago speeches, all right? So I'm I'm going to I'm going to start with Mikey Heinrich's last last words like 30 seconds or less, Mikey.
1: Okay, well first of all to all you guys, it's a pleasure being on with you. I want to say merry christmas to all you guys and your families and the police officers all around this great country stay safe hopefully you can get home at some point to your family enjoy it and just a special prayer for those uh those poor people down in kentucky and tennessee that went through that that devastating tornado. that's well just horrible god bless them all and god bless you guys and thanks a lot, Bill, for, for having me on. I you want know. to
2: have you on again in in 2022. You just got to get a new laptop. Yeah,
1: we'll, do, we'll do one from up top. from uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: or oh, from the Adirondacks? Okay. Yeah,
1: we'll do one from up there.
2: Uh, okay, Lieutenant Pete, last words. Hey, guys, it's been an honor
5: and a privilege uh, amongst the guys, the finest on the finest of uh, the NYPD. I thank you so much, Bill and Phil. And uh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good things to come. And uh, like Mike said, God bless the uh, folks in the, in the mid part of the country. They went to hell these last few days. And uh, really, thank you so much. It's been a privilege. Merry Christmas, to everybody.
6: Happy birthday, Bill, tomorrow.
2: Thank you, Lieutenant Pete. Mikey O'Keefe.
6: Yeah, just reiterate what everybody else said. Merry Christmas. Uh, hopefully, this is everybody's uh, best year coming up. And uh, I have no idea what the, uh, what the kids that are still active. looking at going forward uh but my prayers go out to them
0: thank you mike duty run
6: to be a cop
0: duty run yeah i just wanted to say thank you to everybody in the chat everybody that's here in the in the chat sending positive words positive vibes it's all about you guys we are just sharing our stories with you wishing everyone a merry christmas a happy healthy without your health you have nothing so Mainly a happy, healthy holiday season, and continue to be kind to each other. Make sure you support your local law enforcement, your first responders, your military. Those are the people who are keeping us safe. So thank you so much, Bill, and all the great people here in the panel. I'm, I'm honored to be with you guys, and thank you, Bill. Thanks, to you Lieutenant Joe, last words.
4: Well, um, thanks for having me. It was really a lot of fun. And, uh, of course I want to extend, uh, Christmas wishes to you all. But, uh, the only thing I wanted to say is, um, all you guys who are on Facebook and social media, active, uh, retired cops, stop knocking these kids today. Their job is a lot more difficult than our job was. They're being watched everywhere. Everybody's got a camera. So, you know, maybe they can't do the job the way we did it, but, uh, stop knocking them. And, uh, Keep an eye out when they have their car stops and stuff because you know you always want to keep an eye and make sure they're okay and they're safe. God well bless said. you all. Thanks very much. Well, well said, Lieutenant
2: great. Joe. Uh Philly Grimaldi. Again, no four score and 20 years ago speeches. <laughs> so this
0: will be quick. He real gets real, real Third, quick about 36. the uh
3: the, the hurricane, uh the tornadoes that hit that tornado raced across the land for 250 miles. they think it might be the the longest hurricane that landed, stayed on the ground in history. But the whole area is devastated. God bless those people. Uh, the, the United States of America will come and help those people as much as they can. There's no words that you can say to make them feel any better. They're going through the roughest time in the world but prayers for them God bless them. I'm just honored to be amongst the great people that are on this panel. Billy, I got to thank you. I, I know what you do behind the scenes on this show. Duty Ron knows as well. He does it himself. Uh, you're a one-man show with the computer regarding putting on the uh, the guests, moving people on and off the screen. Thank you for having me as a co-host to be part of it. And I'm hoping for great things in this upcoming year, 2022. Merry Christmas to all the people in the chat and all of our subscribers and listeners. God bless everybody. And yeah, I, I, I got to say, Joe, that was good words about, uh, these young kids that are out there. If you go by a car stop, take a second. Look, I always do. I, uh, do it wherever I am. I could be out of state. I'm checking on a cop. That's doing a car stop. And, uh, let's, uh, all law enforcement brothers and sisters be safe, healthy, and happy and enjoy your Christmas.
2: Very well yeah. said guys, I'm you probably,
1: know, can uh, I just add one thing. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Just real quick on what, you know, Phil and the other guy said, uh, you know, my young son's out there. He's got three years on the job. He works out in Queens. So keep him in your prayers also. Absolutely. 100%. You
2: know, guys, this is a law enforcement is a brotherhood, and I never feel as close a brotherhood as when I'm on this show with the great guys that come on this show. And uh, folks, all you folks in the chat and all of our subscribers, all of our fans, thank you so much for supporting us in 2021. We're hoping to do great things in 2022, reinvent ourselves, come up with an even better show than we put out in 2021. all you guys out there and all of my guests tonight, God bless. Merry Christmas. And I hope to see you guys soon.
3: Stay safe, everybody. Peace.
5: Salute.
0: Salute.